0: Oh, well, hey, I am so excited to be able to start a new series today, and uh, for the next several weeks, we are going to be talking about made whole. Made whole, uh, you know, let me put it this way. Jesus taught us to pray this prayer, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So God wants us whole, spirit, soul, and body. In fact, that's what the word means, whole. It, It covers your spirit. It covers your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your mental state. And it covers your physical being. So spirit, soul, and body is how Jesus performed when he came. So that's another way we see the will of God. It's through the life and demonstration of Jesus. Jesus said, I don't do anything except for what I see my father do. I don't say anything except for what my father says to me. And so he displayed the perfect will of his father. And Jesus went about in Acts chapter 10, verse 38 how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing really bad things. No, he went about doing what? Good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So Jesus came about and everywhere he went, he performed wholeness among the people who would believe, who would receive the grace of God for wholeness in his life, spirit, soul, soul. In body, In fact, at one point, there was this leper who came to Jesus, and he really didn't know, is it the will of God? Because how many know that faith is established when the will of God is made known? So there's a lot of people out there, including the body of Christ, that will tell you that God does not heal anymore. The power of the Holy Spirit's not available anymore. That went away with the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost upon the disciples, the apostles of Christ, when they passed away, all that stuff passed away with it. And there's literally denominations out there that teach that, that the power of the Holy Spirit, miracles and signs and wonders don't happen anymore. And yet Jesus says in God's Word, I'll just put it this way, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it reminds us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if Jesus healed even one time, That means healing is available all the time. In fact, healing is part of your covenant. So when we talk about salvation in the Bible, when we talk about the terminology salvation and being saved, in the Greek, what that really means is salvation for whatever you need saving from. Healing was always included. In fact, Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and what? Healing everywhere he went. Healing was never intended to be separated from the gospel. It was included with your salvation It's part of your covenant. However, let me put it this way. How many know that if you've read about any of these tent meetings where the healing anointing through the gift of healing, so healing is available to everybody. It's part of our covenant. But there are times where God releases like gifts of healing and miracles. And so some of these... Things that maybe you've experienced, maybe you've read about some of these old tent meetings, Oral Roberts and others. Uh, some of you have been there, experienced it. I know I have, and it is very real where the healing begins to demonstrate itself. The Father's will is demonstrated. People receive medically documented healings, cancers being removed, uh, growths being removed, legs being healed, paralytics rising up in our generation, and it is still going on. But you will also see and hear these stories. They'll go into the doctor, get the medical document that says it's gone. Only to find a few months later or six months later, it's back. And a Christian sometimes, if they don't know the truth, the knowledge of the truth is what sets us free, they may just accept it and say, well, God never really healed me, which is kind of goofy, right? Because if they've had that issue going on for months or years, even 20 or 30 years, and all of a sudden it's completely gone after someone prayed for them, and there was a sign, wonder and miracle, in one of these amazing healing crusades that take place, and all of a sudden it's gone. You know, God healed them, obviously, right? But why do people get things back? According to Hosea, my people perish because of what? Lack of knowledge. And in fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it reminds us, don't be strangers to the covenants of promise. So all the promises are yes and amen. They're available through faith in God's grace. But the challenge is is that a lot of people don't know anything beyond salvation. They believe Jesus died on the cross for their salvation to miss hell and gain heaven, which is awesome and enough to be grateful for the rest of eternity. But there's over 6,000 promises in the Bible that God wants you to receive to be made whole, just like you would in heaven or through the life and demonstration of Jesus, or even in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned, before they fell, the blessing, the glory, the presence of God was with them. They were absolutely whole in every area of life. Nothing missing, nothing broken, and it is still the Father's will for you to experience as, you, as if you were already in heaven here on earth. As much as you can believe God for, it is available for you. Amen? You know, in fact, the Bible uh, goes, you know, let me back up. I, I started to tell you about the leper who came to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Lord, he fell at his feet, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. You can heal me. In one translation, Jesus says, of course I'm willing. And he stretched out his hand and healed the man, made him whole. Everywhere Jesus went, he performed wholeness on people. In every area, he set them free. In every area. Say every area. area. Made whole is where we're going this month, and we want to build the foundation deeper because when the will of God is established is when faith, when the will of God is revealed is when faith can be strengthened in the grace of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So all those people are like, well, I don't believe God still heals today. Let me ask you a question. Does your pastor teach on healing? No. Have you ever seen any healings in your church yet? No. So let me get this right. Your pastor doesn't teach on it and bless his heart, but how are they to know if they're not told, the apostle Paul says? How will they have faith if they have not heard? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We teach it. People hear it here. And people receive miracles here at High Point Church. Even just the other day, I just think it's so funny. At night of worship, we had a lot of decisions for Christ at night of worship. It was absolutely electric. How many were able to make it to night of worship this last Wednesday? Powerful and electric. The power of God was hitting everyone. We we went out of that place better off. But I thought about that after I heard testimony after testimony after testimony of people, you know, who got set free, who got delivered, who got healed. Even to the littlest thing, one lady said to me, I have had an addiction to biting my fingernails for 70 years, and I have not been able to break it, but tonight I was totally set free. And I just think God cares about the little things. Amen? Nothing's too small for our God who cares about the little details in your life. He wants you whole. And we want to touch on this a little bit today and for the next several weeks is how to activate, tap into the power of God's grace for healing for your life and how to keep your healing. Let me put it this way. If you're a a bouncer, not saying you are, but if you were a bouncer uh, of your own house, I'll put it this way, not of a nightclub, but just of your own house, and you've got this doorbell ringing, knocking on the door, And uh, you go and open the door, and here's this person who's got this large and poisonous snake about to throw it at you. Or they've got a dangerous animal that they're about to release to get you. Or they've got some weapon in their hand. Are you going to say, hey, come on in. Have a seat here on my couch. Or are you going to what? Slam the door, deadbolt it, arm yourself, call proper authority. What are you going to do? Naturally, everyone here who's even remotely sound in mind is going to say, I'm going to slam the door. I'm going to deadbolt it. I'm going to arm myself. And I'm going to call proper authority because I don't want what's out there getting in here. And yet so many times Christians, they have this knock, 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 knock. Who's there? They open up the little people. Sickness. Let me see here. Sickness. No it's not in my covenant. You can't come in here. Bye bye. Slam the pickle right. Or maybe knock 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 knock. Who's there? Poverty. Poverty. Let me see. Is that in the? Is that in my Bible covenant? No. No. Jesus became poor so that I'd be made rich. Um, no, you can't come in. Bye bye. Or how about depression? Or anxiety? Or fear? Every time you open up that little pickle, I can't tell you how many Christians just say, Come on in. I'm gonna entertain this for a little while. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4:8 that we're to meditate and think about those things that are good, of good report, praiseworthy reports, those things that are holy and just, things that are a good report, we've got to start right here, saying no. When the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, submit to God, what we're really saying is, God, I humble myself. I, you are my final authority. I'm going to humble myself under you in your word. I'm not going to be a stranger to the covenants of promise. I'm going to know this stuff because I need to put on the full armor of God, as Ephesians chapter 6 says to do. I'm going to put on that helmet of salvation. Who set me free? Who saved me? Jesus, I'm going to put on that breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness is it? Jesus, I'm going to put on the belt of truth because it's the knowledge of the truth, according to Jesus, that sets us free. And I'm not going to be one of those people that's ignorant because when that enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, as Jesus said he does in John 10.10, 10, that he's looking for someone he, can may de- he may devour, I'm not going to be one of those people that he can just devour. I'm going to arm myself with a belt of truth. I'm going to shod my feet with the gospel of peace. I'm going to put on the garments of praise and the robe of righteousness, knowing that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to take up the shield of faith, which the apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, that quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. And I'm going to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'm going to use it when the enemy tries to devour me. When he comes, and yes, the Bible says that no weapon formed against me, that means there will be weapons formed against you. But no weapon formed against me will prosper, In every tongue that rises against me, I will condemn it. In other words, I know who I am and whose I am, and I'm going to use self-defense, spiritually speaking, it's not against flesh and blood, but I am going to defend myself spiritually because I know who I am and whose I am, and I'm going to take up the sword of the Spirit, I'm going to take up the shield of faith, and I'm going to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So when someone comes knocking at my door and says, hey, I got some sickness here, I'm going to throw it at you like a poisonous snake or a wild dangerous animal or some weapon, slam that door shut. Can I hear an amen? Amen. In James chapter 4, verse 7, once again, it says, Submit to God, resist the devil. That means means you have been given God-given authority. Jesus said, it's better for me to go so I can send you the power of the Holy Ghost so he can help you, guide you into all truth. Who's your comforter, your counselor? He's your paraclete. Meaning he is there to help you intercede and know how to pray out the perfect will and plan of God. So when you have the wisdom of God, when you have the revelation of God, the word of God on the inside of you, what happens is confidence comes. Confidence comes from the Lord. Knowing his will is the first step. Developing faith is the next step. Developing it. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. The anointed word of God. So when confidence comes, and I can tell you a quick little story. One time, uh, we were living in Texas at the time. Our little, our our daughter Courtney, who's now 18, when I when I got home. Now all week long, I've been feeding on faith teachings for healing. Faith teachings for healing. Turn to your neighbor and poke at him. Say healing. You've got to be specific about where you want to grill. You know, I had the Lord tell me before we started this church, he said, I want you to listen to one faith teaching on healing or one teaching on prosperity at least once a day. Every day. So when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's not able to penetrate my shield of faith because I know the truth and it's the knowledge of that truth that sets me free. So I'm able to quench the fiery dart of the wicked one. So when he comes and he knocks on my door and says, here's some poverty. I said, no thanks. You're not on the list. You can't come in. So when I got home that day, I had been feeding on faith, teaching for healing. And so I was armed. I was prepared. My confidence was there. And when I got home, Amy said, she just gave me some facts. She said, say, just wanted to let you know, Courtney seems to be experiencing some symptoms in her physical body. She's got a temp right now of about 102 or 103. It was really super high. It seems to be some symptoms of the flu. Now, I didn't get all... uh, frustrated and angry and say, God, what's going on here? Because I know according to Jesus and what he said in John ten ten, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, not Jesus. God is for you, not against you. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly until it overflows. So when I heard that, I don't really care about that. What I care about is making sure that no weapon formed against me or my house will Will prosper. For me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And if you've got a royal king dressed in a fancy robe like Jesus is described in heaven with a gold emblem, and he's walking through and he's got all these sheep following him that are starving to death and they're in lack and poverty, are you gonna think he's a good shepherd or not? You're gonna kind of wonder about that shepherd. Is he all about himself? I mean, what is this? I mean, we've got like this image of Jesus being dressed in this royal robe in heaven. Written king of kings and lord of lords with a gold emblem. And people who have seen this robe describe it as like, it looks like a brilliant thing. Literally, literally it looks like diamonds all over it. I mean, he is no cheapo God. He is not El Cheapo. He's El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. And he wants you to live as kings in the earth, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. You should look like your shepherd. And I know that when we first get saved, we aren't going to look like our shepherd because we don't have our minds renewed like the shepherd yet. But the more we get into this, it's again, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, it's the knowledge of the truth. As long as we continue to abide in this, it's the knowledge of the truth that sets us free. So the more we gain wisdom and revelation in God's word, the more we can experience freedom in our life. God wants you to be made whole. Turn to your other neighbor and say, made whole. So when I came home and I hear this about Courtney, the first thing I did is I just said, thank you for letting me know. And I went over and I snuggled up with Courtney. She's like probably three or four years old, probably at that time. And I snuggled up with her because I know faith works by love. And love is the greatest gift, it's the most powerful weapon we have. I'm not there to condemn and say, what is wrong with you? I can't believe you got sickness. That's not going to help anybody. Thank God for all the medical helpers in this community. We need compassion. We need love. But listen, God doesn't stop there. He wants us to tap into the promises of God, which he is no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith, but he's no respecter of persons. You can have what you would be experiencing in heaven. You can have what you would have had before the Garden of Eden fell with Adam and Eve, in, falling in a sin, or through the life and demonstration of Jesus, you see these perfect will of God being performed three different times in the Bible minimum. So here we are, I'm just snuggling up with her because I know faith works by love. And I didn't start shouting and saying, get out of here, devil. I didn't want to scare her, she's a little girl. So I just said real quietly, and I don't know to this day if she even heard me, but I just snuggled up with her and I said, it's impossible. For sickness to touch my daughter. It's impossible. And I command you devil. Get your hand and your symptoms off my daughter. In Jesus name. I know who I am and I know whose I am and I know that you're not allowed here, devil, in this property and on this property. This is the household of God. This is a temple of the Holy Ghost and you're not allowed here in Jesus' name. And I said it real quietly, but I could literally feel the temperature as I was holding her. I could feel the temperature going down within about 10 to 15 minutes, the joy of the Lord hit this little girl. Healing just manifested. She got up and she played and she laughed and she had no more symptoms whatsoever. But let me tell you, God wants you whole. And the only way that's going to happen is if you know the knowledge of the truth. The enemy will do everything he can to deceive us, to steal, kill, and destroy, to take away what rightfully belongs to you. But that's what the truth is for. That's why Jesus came, is to set you free so you could be free indeed. But I want to take you and build a foundation starting this week. Because I I know it's not where we start in life, it's how we finish. Amen? And I want to take us back into one of the oldest books in the Bible, and it's called Job. Not Job, but Job. Job did not have progressive revelation like you and I do because of the new covenant. Job did not understand that there was a devil who was out to steal, kill, and destroy. Job had a situation going on. He was concerned. He was literally in fear. Job chapter 3, verse 25. What I feared, what I have dreaded, has come upon me. He was afraid that his sons were sinning, so he would make daily sacrifices. How many know that faith and fear is a real deal? Job was afraid that his sons were sinning, so he kept making sacrifices. But Job was a good man. He was a just man. He was a righteous man. And Job understood something way back In Job's time, he understood something that you and me, we have. Watch what he says in Job chapter 9, verse 32. God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there were a mediator between us, someone could bring us together. Church, I want to give you a new image in your mind. Sometimes we got people are painted this picture all throughout years and teachings and stuff like that, that we're fighting this battle. And we, we are, yes, we're fighting the good fight of faith because Jesus won it already. But when you're walking around battle fatigued because you're fighting, 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 you don't quite have the revelation that God wants you to understand. If you're walking around just moping like this, man, I just feel so beat down because the devil's been pushing me around. You should be pushing him around. And Job understood this. He said, I need someone who fully understands God, and I need someone who fully understands man. Why? Because God is not even tempted. God cannot be tempted. He can't even lie, the Bible says. So Job understood that God is a faithful and just judge, and he was an imperfect man he wasn't perfect, even though he was a righteous man, he was a godly man, he loved God, but he knew that he, was a, he had weaknesses, and he recognized, I need someone who understands God fully and someone who understands man fully. He was seeing things by the Spirit, I believe, recognizing, I need a mediator. One translation says, I need an umpire. In Job chapter 16, verse 21, it says, I need someone to mediate between God and me. As a person mediates between friends. In other words, I need someone who can plead my case. Someone who understands mankind and the weaknesses of the flesh. And, and yet, someone who understands God fully, that he's not even tempted. I need somebody like that. Let me ask you a question, church. Is there someone who fully understands God and someone who fully understands man? If so, what's his name? I didn't hear that. <laughs> In First, uh, First Timothy chapter two, verse five, "For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who fully understands God and yet fully understands what it's like to be man. 100 percent God, 100 percent the Son of man. He understood what it was like to be tempted without sin, though, but he understood. The weakness of the human flesh and the temptations that we deal with. And so he fully understands you, and he also fully understands that God is a holy God. He is a just God. He is a faithful judge. And when there is sin, there are consequences. When someone breaks a law, there are consequences. The law in itself, the Bible says, is holy and just, it's good. But the law was intended to bring us to a place that it would be a tutor to help us come to a place where we realize we need the help of a mediator, of someone who can mediate and reconcile and restore my relationship with our Heavenly Father. Job saw this. He recognized this. We need God in our life to help us, not for judgment purposes. But someone had to pay the price. This friend of a judge one day came up to him and he had gotten a speeding ticket and he handed the ticket to his friend and he said, would you please take care of this for me? And the judge said, sure, I can. A few weeks later, he said to his friend who was a judge, he said, thank you for taking care of that, removing that from my record. And he said, I didn't remove it. And he said, what do you mean you didn't remove it? He said, I paid for it. And he said, well, I didn't want you to pay for it. I just wanted you to remove it. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. Did you speed? And he said, well, yeah, I did. And he said, the law serves the innocence of the people, it is good, it is there to protect the innocence. Someone had to pay the price for the crime that you committed, and I'm willing to. The judge. Heard about this dad one time, true story, discovered that his son was a serial killer. Now he had a choice. Do I turn my son in, who he loved with all his heart? Or does he let him keep killing the innocent? And so he turned him in, and he knew that it meant death row for his son. A reporter one day asked him, and said, was that hard as a father to turn your own son in and whom you love so much? And he said, yes, it was hard, but it would have been harder for me to live knowing that he was killing innocent people. The law in itself is good to protect the innocent. It's there to protect the innocent. The law in itself is holy and just to protect and all of us have fallen in shor- uh, short of the glory of God. We have all fallen. We have all committed crime. We have all sinned in one way or another. And we needed somebody who could mediate, who could restore. Because when you walk into the presence of a holy God who has never sinned and cannot even lie, light quenches darkness. You cannot walk into the presence of God with sin in your life and not be destroyed by light. That's why, in the, uh, way back in the old covenant times, when they were carrying the ark, Uriah reached out to stabilize the ark. He was not a Levite. He was not someone who had gone through the cleansing process of being able to hold the holy covenant ark of God. And all of a sudden, boom, he was destroyed right there. And King David was like, wow, he feared God. God, and he was uh, a first. He's like, why would you do that? He knew he was not to touch that holy ark of covenant because, again, light quenches darkness. You cannot walk into the presence of a holy and faithful just judge and live, let sin live in the presence of a holy God. It just won't happen. We needed an umpire, an umpire. We needed a mediator. We needed an advocate. We needed an attorney. We needed a rear guard. We needed somebody that could plead our case. And his name is Jesus. I want you to have a courtroom analogy. I want you to have a courtroom because if anything that you deal with here on earth, if you will deal with it in the courtroom of heaven first, it will be done with on earth. I don't ever suggest anybody go to court without first going to court in heaven. I'm going to say that again. I don't ever suggest anybody go into the courtroom here on earth before they go into the courtroom of heaven. Because if it is finished in heaven, as Jesus said, it is finished, it will be done here on earth. It doesn't mean that there's not consequences for the crimes, the things that we commit, but you need to understand when you've got a God that is with you and for you and helping you to overcome sin and every other crime, you will find that judge giving you favor, sending you to Teen Challenge or something else before he had ever sent you behind those bars because they want you free. Everyone that I am friends with in law enforcement, they don't want to keep locking people up. What they want is those people getting set free so they can go and live a victorious life. And that's what Jesus came to do is to give us life and life more abundantly so that flows through us, that it flows through our, mind, our minds and our imagination so we can live a free life. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, My little children, believers, dear ones, I'm writing you these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Once again, in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, we see courtroom terminology, witnesses, confession. We see advocate, attorney, mediator, Judge, and so on. These courtroom inur- terminology is so important for us to understand because if you know that you can come into a holy presence of a God who is a faithful judge, and you can come boldly into his throne room of grace and receive mercy, you can get the mercy that you need right now at this very hour because you have an attorney, and advocate, and his name is Jesus, who's pleading your case before his heavenly Father, the righteous judge. If anyone sins, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the upright, the just one, and who conforms to the Father's will in every way, purpose, thought, and action. And he, that same Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God that would otherwise be directed at us because of our sinful nature our worldliness, our lifestyle, and not for ours alone, but also for the sins of all believers throughout the whole world. Again, that word advocate is the same word as paraclete, which is the same word that we use for Holy Spirit. So we've got Jesus, who is our advocate or attorney, mediator, and we've got the Holy Spirit. They're one with each other, and they're helping us to overcome and to win in every area of life. The law must be fulfilled. In fact, I I heard about this uh, husband who had gotten caught for stealing peaches, a can of peaches, and he was standing before the judge, and the judge asked him, he said, how many peaches were in that can? And he said, seven. And he said, he wrapped his uh, gavel, and he said, that'll be seven days in jail. And the wife, overhearing the courtroom process, stood up and said to the judge, sir, I need to give you a confession. He also stole a can of peas God needed someone to pay your fine, and his name is Jesus. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 through 11, we need a deeper revelation of this. Let's go deeper. Say deeper to your neighbor. And the great dragon was thrown down, the age-old serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who continually deceives and seduces the entire inhabited world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom, dominion, reign of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our believing brothers and sisters has been thrown down at last. Thank God. Who accuses them... And keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God, day and night. And they overcame him and conquered him because of what? Read this with me. Because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Heard about these hippies. They got saved. It's a true story, actually. They had been hippies their whole life. Definitely were not living for God. And they got saved. To make a long story short, two weeks within salvation, God gives her a revelation of the power of what just happened to her. So she's standing, the next thing she knows, she has like this dream, this experience of she's standing in heaven, and she's standing before the great white throne where judgment was taking place. And she was standing before the judge of the universe, and he asked the question to the people that were standing in front of her, what reason do you have to enter into the gates of heaven? And the first person standing in line said, Well, I've been a good person uh, as far back as I can remember. I've taught Boy Scouts and I've taught this and I've done that in my community and I served here and I served there. And he said, Oh, that's all good, but is there anything else that allows you to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And he thought a little bit and he said, No, I can't think of anything else. And he looked at the man and he dismissed him and he walked away. He was ushered away. Next person walked up and He said, what reason do I have to let you into the kingdom of heaven? And she said, well, I've been a Sunday school teacher for 30 years. And he said, that's good, but is there anything else? And she said a few more good things, but he said, is there anything else? And she said, no. And he looked at her and dismissed her, and she was ushered away. And this hippie walks up, and she's thinking, oh, my goodness, these people who have done a lot of good works, they're not getting in. Who am I? Why would he ever let me in? And when he said What do you believe gives you the right to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And this she heard shoot out of her mouth, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And immediately the arms went open like this. And he said, open wide the gates of heaven. And the angels began to rejoice as she was ushered in to the kingdom of God. We're saved by grace, faith in his grace. And all the promises are in the same category, not based upon what you deserve, but based upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. The enemy knows, and he plays videos, and he'll play it before the judge of the universe. And he's like, they're guilty. They're guilty. Place. They. they, they mean, I think they should be sick. I think they should have poverty. I think they, they, they've done this wrong, and they've done that wrong. I've got these videos right here. I've got this audio recording right here of what they said to their spouse last night. I, I, I see what they did, and you see right now. And, and so the judge says, okay, play the video. And he plays the video, and all of a sudden it comes up blank. Wait a minute, it was there just yesterday. It was just there. I, I know what they did. And he's accusing you to the judge of the universe. And I've got it on audio, the things that you've been saying and the things that you've done wrong. And I've got it on the audio. Play. So he hits the play button and it's all been re- erased. And then your mediator steps forward. His name is Jesus. And he says these words, most honorable judge and father. Isn't that comforting? My brother... My sister, I have something I want to reveal in the courts. Exhibit A, he says, you may present it to the courtroom. And he says, exhibit A is my blood that's been placed on your mercy seat. And the judge says, the courtroom will receive that evidence. Well, I know the accuser is saying that sickness should be coming upon them and this and that. But I have exhibit B to present to you. And the judge says, You may step forward with that exhibit. And Jesus pulls back his robe and he says, These stripes that were laid on my back, therefore, they're healing. And the judge says, You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are qualified. You are accepted. You are anointed. You are healed because of the evidence of the blood of the lamb and the stripes that were laid on his back. You are healed for you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have washed away and all things have become new. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it reminds us, In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected, with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is who as christ is in all of his glory so are you in this world that when god looks at you he sees you the same way that he sees his son jesus christ in all of his glory forgiven and redeemed and qualified and accepted and washed in his blood when you confess when the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony become your exhibits before your heavenly father who is also the judge of the universe. And so when the enemy comes and you say, I plead the blood of Jesus, because if you said, I am guilty, you would be sentenced just like that. Any just judge Even their own son who walked in, and the evidence is saying, yes, he's guilty, she's guilty. If he's a just judge, he's going to sentence that son. As much as he loves that son or daughter, he's going to sentence him if he claims guilty. Yes, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but today I want a new image in your mind that you are going before the courtroom of heaven saying it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony that I am healed, that I am forgiven, that I am redeemed, that I am accepted, that I am qualified because of what Jesus has done for me because of Jesus and what he has done. That is submitting to God and his word and resisting the enemy, not because of all the good works that you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And so when that enemy comes and he's knocking on the door next time and he's trying to put sickness on you and he tries with everybody, I'm telling you the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, you will be delivered and set free when you know the truth. It's the truth that will set you free. And Ephesians 6 reminds us once again, we've got to put on this armor. We've got to be aware of what we have been given and not be a stranger of the covenants of promise. And we've got to be aware of the truth so we can stay free, made whole, living and reigning as kings in this earth as Christ Jesus showed us to live a victorious life, not a defeated life, not where sin and sickness and poverty and the curse is overtaking you, but you are overtaking it and putting it under your feet because of what Jesus has done for you. I'll close with this story. A few weeks ago, one of our security persons was out working out. And while he was working out, he had a triple, three heart aneurysms. One heart aneurysm is fatal. He came through this situation victorious. He was in first service today and last weekend as well. And when I went to visit him, the first thing he said as pastor when he heard the pop pop pop, he said I just immediately stood on 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 24 that by his stripes I am healed. It's the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony when you put this in your mouth that will keep you free. And today that man is alive because he understood this. And he said, I probably said it a thousand times, but I believe with all my heart he's here today He's alive, he's well, because he stood on the witnesses of what Jesus Christ had done for him. And I believe God has no respect of persons. What he's done for Lynn, he will do for any one of you. When you know the knowledge of the truth, it will set you free. If you receive this today, will you say amen? amen? Father, I thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your amazing grace. And we just want to acknowledge, if it wasn't for you, we'd be going to a hell. If it wasn't for you, we'd live in the curse. If it wasn't for you, we couldn't even take that next breath. But your mercies are new every morning. And because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we can plead the blood of Jesus before you day in and day out. And because of that blood that has washed us clean, we're forgiven and we're redeemed. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute longer, if you've never made that decision to receive Jesus Christ, today it would be my honor, my privilege to introduce you to my very best friend who died for your sins. But you need to receive this forgiveness. You've got to receive the blood that was shed for him. Let me take it one step further. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but deep down in your heart, you know that you're not following Christ the way that you could or should, and today you're saying, Pastor, I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. If that's you on either one of those occasions and you need to make that decision to receive Jesus or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, would you be bold enough and brave enough to slip up a hand all over this room right now just acknowledging I need to receive Christ as my Savior or I need to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Just a moment longer. You're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive Christ to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Just a moment longer. Any. At this point, great. Let's do this. Let's put a hand on our heart. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means no matter what you've done wrong, all that matters right now is what Jesus Christ has done right for you. So let's take a moment. Let's pray this prayer out loud with those that are making that quality choice and that decision, those that are joining us online. We want to encourage you, pray this prayer with us. We believe there's no distance in the spirit. I believe God wants to do a miracle right now for you. So would you pray this out loud? Heavenly Father, Forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap? Let him know how much you love him.